Almost 20 years since the war in Bosnia, there are still plenty of scars that you can see on the streets of this nation. And as Lamia Tanovic explains it, it's the emotional scars that people carry that are the hardest to recover from. Having grown up in Yugoslavia and later studying abroad and working in other nations, especially in Denmark, Tanovic has what is known as the long view of how Bosnia became the struggling post-war country that it is today. As a professor at the Faculty of Science at the University of Sarajevo, her first concern is education. But as you'll hear in today's program, politics, religion, the role of international actors, the trauma, are all issues that remain unresolved in a country that continues to lose its best and brightest. Last month, I had the great privilege of visiting her and her husband in their home in Sarajevo. Uh, lots of us, at least from our uh, kind of people who were at universities, we used to go to to abroad to study, to to com- to participate at some symposia, conferences, so on. But we always returned. Yes. So at that time, before the war in seventies, for instance, I we both were working at electrical engineering faculty, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Of course, uh, computers were very popular at that time. Uh, All the people from our computer department uh, were specializing abroad somewhere. Not a single one stayed. And when I thought about why we didn't stay, because we were both there together. We were always together, my husband and myself, because we were in the same team, publishing the same papers, the same books. I knew that it is because life in Yugoslavia was better than any other place. So Denmark, I was in Denmark for quite a long time, doing PhD later, having many study trips, longer, shorter. It was much better to live here. United States, we spent uh, 89, 90, as a visiting scientist uh, at National Bureau of Standards and Technology in Washington. Mm-hmm. But I could hardly wait to finish this and come back home. Uh, in some way, uh, life was much uh, more easygoing here. We, uh, we, we, how would I say, entertained much than other people. It was, we were not obsessed by work so terribly much. Mm -hmm. Like skiing was half an hour drive from here, beautiful uh, uh, Olympic mountains. And and skiing was not something just for the elite or? No, no, everybody. In Europe, in socialism, you had courses for your kids. So kids used to learn very early. So school takes them (laughs) and, and teach them, someone teach them. So skiing was simply for everybody. It was cheap. It was not big deal to, to buy uh, uh, these uh, tickets for lifts and so on. It was not fancy place, of course, maybe two, two three lifts altogether, but it was our mountain. It was good. The yeah. uh, seaside was very close. It was just three hours drive, mm. yeah. maybe four, who knows. So we used to go for a public uh, these uh, holidays, first of May, 
So you have two days and then a weekend and four days, six days, I don't know. And for the summer vacation, uh, many, many factories had uh, their own summer places. Mm -hmm. So I used to go to the seaside uh, since I remember. And it was very cheap, it was paid, it was cool, it was my, I don't know why, you, I, I trained gymnastics, mm -hmm. so my gym uh, group, they used to go during the summer and trained even there. So they had, sometimes it was just a camp under the tents, mm -hmm. sometimes it was, uh, it was house, it was hotel or whatever, but I don't remember any single summer and remember, I was born in 1947. Mm -hmm. That I was not there with my family, without family, sometimes both, sometimes father, mother, my sisters, two weeks and then two weeks with my school or whatever. Our kind of socialism was really good, particularly after country recovered. And that was like 65. Recovered from World War. World War. Yeah. It was terribly damaged, so it took 20 years, I suppose. It took 20 years to build uh, factories, to build uh, roads, uh, to build schools, even. In, in, <clears throat> I'm, I mean, I'm fascinated by stories from Yugoslavia. The picture that you paint is one of, and I've heard it here in Bosnia, that people say it was, it was pretty good, it was a good time. Was that, do you think, true for people living in other regions. I mean, it makes me wonder who wasn't living well uh, in the former Yugoslavia. I don't know. I, I, I think everybody lived well. <laughs> because, you know, since uh, early 60s, first of all, if you were peasants and, uh, I don't know, you didn't have job, uh, proper job or whatever, you, you had job you didn't like, so we were the only socialistic countries, a country where you were free to go. If you can find a job in Germany, please go. If you can find a job in... And, and at that time, usually these people who uh, were uh, less educated, like you had all the cleaning ladies, I think, in Germany were from Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. So these people, um, or, or workers, workers in factories, uh, they used to go because salary was better in Germany. Uh, in Germany you could buy uh, quite a lot, and, but all of them were coming uh, and building house in Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. So they earned money, they lived in a very, very modest way in Switzerland, in Germany, in Austria, that th those were, even in Scandinavia, uh, I think Sweden, Sweden was pretty popular. They earn money, they uh, send money back home, they build houses, they, I don't know, they have farms and so on. They, they you know, we call them, how we call it, uh, our people in, I don't know, Yugo, Yugo Schwabe. Schwabe is uh, Germans, you know, Yugo Schwabe, Yugoslav mm -hmm. uh, Germans. And, and they, they, they had very high standard here. Mm -hmm. I remember there is a small town uh, where my mother was uh, born, and they had a very large uh, peasant uh, um, population who, you know, one person left uh, and then uh, he... Uh, calls brother and cousin and uh, so huge group from that particular place went to Germany. Number of years, like 10-15 years later, 
when I came again uh, to these areas, you couldn't believe how many new houses, how many beautiful things, all the Mercedes and everything. Mm -hmm. So they lived, even the first neighbor of my grandmother, first neighbor, they had family, he had family, living there in that place all the time. And he was working like 40 years. He spent 40 years in uh, Germany working in a very simple job, digging something or mm -hmm. just manual uh, work. Uh, they bought a big house in downtown, like uh, they educated. He had uh, just one son, last one was son, and I think four daughters before that. All of them were educated, uh, all of them, I don't know. He simply supported his family very good, in a very good way, based on his work in Germany. So it was that, but not our people. I don't know any university person who stayed somewhere to mm -hmm. stay to work. Uh, these kind of people left uh, during this last war. Mm -hmm. but and not only during the war, after the war. Yes. Lots of them. I think majority of my colleagues here from university left after the war mm -hmm. because it was so... They, they First of all, they expected that things will improve quickly because finally it's peace, you know. Right. But things did not improve. They are still not in, in normal conditions. So they started leaving all the way from 96 till 2005, I think. Oh, uh, and there's actually a, a, a decline in the leaving in 2005. Yes. Less people yes, leave. Yes. Uh, what's changed since 2005? <laughs> nobody's uh, nobody's left. I, I would say oh, okay. just few of right. us crazy people who still <laughs> think that uh, things can be improved here. In Yugoslavia, we had that self-management system where you uh, you were able to say. Uh, at various levels uh, to participate in decisions. Here, now, Dean is a god. If he decides to fire you or anybody, then it's, this is very unusual for me. So the, the system was one where you do it as a, as a group, together, you make decisions. You... Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. It was very special type of socialism. It was really called self-management system. So you had big uh, body where everybody, for instance, on, on university, or the faculty, it was in the beginning, I, I worked 20 years at electrical engineering faculty. So it was people's assembly was called, people's assembly. Everybody was there. Cleaning ladies, professors, everybody. And we usually had a meeting standing in, mm -hmm. in order to keep it short. But you were able, so it was never longer than an hour. Uh, you always had a chance to say, I don't think this is good. I think this is wrong. Could we vote for my suggestion? And then people would say, okay, we don't like it, or we like it, or whatever. Of course, sometimes it was um, also difficult to... But you had chance to say. Yes. Now everything is done behind my, my back. I don't know who brings decisions. Yeah. All of the aspects that you describe from the past, from Yugoslavia, there seem to be so many positive ones. 
Yes. And what that makes me wonder is, without having a history book or perhaps not studied properly, in my case, um, when Yugoslavia came to an end, uh, that was around the time that Tito died? It, uh, it started declining. Tito died in 1980. Mm -hmm. We lived uh, like uh, six, seven years uh, pretty normally after his death. It was still very good standard. It was, uh, and then uh, things started intensively to be bad in many ways uh, at the end of 80s, mm. like 89, 88 maybe already, 88, 89, 90. And then first war started in 1991. So that was hard to see. How does it go from people living quite a quality of life and, and quite a, a big group? You know, it seems like everybody has a say, has a decent standard. How does it go from there to war? It seems like people would want to keep what they had. Two, there are two big reasons. One is... Uh, uh, there was, uh, after Tito died, economic situation became deteriorating. Uh, it was coming down all, all the time. That, that's, that was a big economic crisis. Uh, many, many problems like uh, shortages in everything. Uh, there is no electricity, um, the, no gasoline. So we had uh, two days in a week uh, when uh, uh, registration numbers, uh, odd numbers, you can drive or something. Then uh, no coffee, for instance, shortages in coffee, shortages in sugar, oil, and so some funny things happened. So e economy was coming down intensively. And the second thing was that uh, there was no personality in the country. Uh, like Tito, uh, with authority where he could say, you know, because he was, he was Slovene and Croat mixture, two republics. He lived in Belgrade and, and, and uh, in Serbia. So nobody could say, you are Slovenian, you are doing it for Slovenia, you know, because we had these six uh, equal republics, totally equal, according to the constitution. They changed constitution while he was alive in 74. And country became pretty much decentralized. Each of these republics, six, had pretty large autonomy. And while he was still there, it was still kept as a, as a pretty good federation, you know, um, cooperating and so on. When he left, these small bosses in republics found constitutions based on which they could, they could secede. Mm -hmm. Like Milosevic was the first one who said, okay, this is our country, besides we have Serbs living in Bosnia, we have Serbs living in Croatia, all that belongs to Serbia. I think these small, uh, these, these uh, heads of various republics uh, misused uh, nationalism. Mm -hmm. They say Serbia belongs to Serbs, Croatia belongs to Croats. So we would like to be, I would like to be chief uh, in, my, in my part of the country.
You're listening to Citizen Reporter, the podcast dedicated to underreported news. I'm your host, Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. The topic today, Bosnia. And I think that was that was really a reason why. And, and then suddenly you had people people who lived excellent. As I said, I, I would rather live here than in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, people suddenly, uh, they're, you know, they used to say, okay, in Croatia they used to say, we, we are so bad in economy because our uh, Ministry of Tourism and tourism was going on along the coast. Yeah. It's in Belgrade. It's not in Zagreb. So they are responsible why we are so mm-hmm. So poor suddenly, or there were some kinds of that kind. It was always blaming someone else. Croats are Serbs are responsible. Slovenia would like to be separate. Bosnia was, you know, we were everybody. We had Croats and Serbs and uh, Bosniaks, Muslims. We had so we never complained very much. Macedonia also, they they were pretty quiet, you know, because we were underdeveloped republics. So the change in in uh, Living standard was not uh, touching us so much, <laughs> and but these you know uh, these um, rich republics like for instance they blamed Slovenia, like Slovenia takes all the raw materials from us. They produce fridges, uh, fridges, uh, uh, these uh, uh, appliances. Yes, yes, uh, and selling us for big money. And they had excellent living standard in Slovenia. They were really the best industrialized and so on. Uh, so it and then uh, suddenly the 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 free free uh, press, free media, they started writing million lies. They started. Uh, I think information uh, was. Uh, uh, first thing that started all this nationalism and so on. The stories from Second World War appeared suddenly. Who killed so many Serbs? Who killed so many these during the Second World War? Mm-hmm. You know that this, during the Second World War, this uh, Croatian uh, fascistic uh, small independent Croatian state, they committed genocide, I believe. Mm-hmm. This is what I think genocide is against Serbs. They killed many, many Serbs. It, and they had Bosnia as well. So they, they, it was Croatia and Bosnia. Mm-hmm. They simply invaded, I don't know, Germans divided that way. So we were independent Croatian state, so they killed Jews and Serbs. So I think that was, economy was the reason, and uh, this uh, the role of media was very, very bad. Yeah, I was told that even now... Um... I met with a friend yesterday uh, who had a stack of newspapers under his arm. And he said, even now, these papers, he pointed to what look like normal newspapers, the, the one that most people read, or a few, that they still print uh, the types of articles that yes. accuse one or ethnic group. or, or Absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. You, you still have nationalistic newspapers, particularly at the beginning, before the war. And there are now uh, voices from your professional group, from journalism. 
they would like to have uh, war criminals among the journalists because there were some of the journalists at the beginning of the war who really uh, made so many lies, yeah. so many awful programs. Like, I don't know, there, there was a one a lady journalist who said, uh, I've just been in Sarajevo, they are killing Serb kids uh, and giving them to lions in the uh, zoo or something. And we never had lions in the <laughs> zoo, by the way. So, but if you publish it on television, and if you fake some pictures even, and they have all those programs, yeah then you are responsible, of course. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, sooner or later, there will be some kind of um, um, cases in the court against the journalists. Yeah. Sooner or later, I expect that. I don't know, maybe it's too early, but one day. Yeah, we've had countries in the world, like I think of Rwanda, yes. where the yes. media is uh, held responsible. Yes, it, it was here as well. And I, I, I remember at that time I was in Denmark. I, we, we went to, to do joint research project European before the war. So when the war started, we were in Denmark with our two daughters. And uh, I used to explain later to, to uh, Danes who could not understand because they knew Yugoslavia. They, they said how, how this beautiful country and nice people could suddenly became. I said, I could with that kind of propaganda. It's so bad economy. I could produce the same thing between Uland and Sieland, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> peninsula and, 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 and um, island. I could really produce it. I could suddenly say, listen, uh, everything that you produce from in Uland, uh, they sell on Sieland and you don't get money, you, right. you, and so on. So th that's exactly what was going on here. Mm. Besides, you know, in former Yugoslavia, I never, I lived majority of my life in Yugoslavia. I was born there. I never had uh, that feeling of differences among us. You know, suddenly, at the beginning of the war, it was very much important, are you Serb, Croat, Slovene, Muslim, uh, at that time Muslim, later Bosniaks, particularly in Bosnia. In Bosnia, I told you, are all Bosnians. Mm -hmm. Who cares what way you pray to God, if you pray at all? Mm -hmm. Because all my friends, I had just one religious friend, just one. She was really very much religious. She, she used to pray to God probably daily or so on. But everybody else that was, I don't, I don't know why, maybe uh, after the war in the beginning, it was not good to go to church or mosque probably, or particularly if you wanted career. Okay. So if you were a member of communistic party, it was expected that you are not religious, that you don't go to church. Mm -hmm. And then maybe in the beginning it was like that. Later, you could even go to church. But then we had no religious education whatsoever. Never, never in my school days I heard anything about religious whatever practice. In your family you could... My grandmother was religious very much. Mm -hmm. That was the only grandparent I had, basically. But she did it her way. She didn't bother anybody around. Besides, I used to see her just once uh, uh, during a year vacation. So that, that, was, that was... The style of life was such that you had no company to go to church or mosque. Mm -hmm. It was... 
simply I and I never felt I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. I remember some of my friends in Denmark later, many many years later, they said, "How could you understand uh, art?" Or I don't know if uh, you don't have religious education. <laughs> For me, it was very strange mm -hmm. because you don't. You it's not necessary that you learn it. Uh, through religious education, you, you had philosophy, you had soci sociology, you had a, a art, subject of art, so you... So, and because maybe of that, because our different nationalities here, or how they call ethnic groups, mm -hmm. are basically people with different religio uh, re religious background, mm -hmm. being religious or not. So that means, all Serbs are Orthodox. All Croats are Catholics. All uh, Bosniaks are Muslims. So, but what, what's the ethnicity? What, what difference in ethnicity they have? None. Originally, we are South Slavs who came in 6th, 7th century to this region from Ural somewhere. Uh, so by ethnicity we have the same origin and we stayed here ever since yes so why should we and at that time we were paganic yes. you know we had yes. many gods and so yes. on and then because mm. Catholics were coming from west and then uh, Orthodox are coming from east mm. and then Turks came and, and we created our own Church. You probably have heard about I've Bosnian heard. Church, yes. Bogomils, and so on, and all this. Today, you had, you have proofs, like tombstones. One brother, Catholic, and another one, Muslim. Brothers in the same family, because when when you can you can read it from the signs on on tombstones. Mm -hmm. uh, when Turks came, they offered. Uh, huge privileges to those who take Islam. Okay. So, like all the nobility, you would not pay taxes yeah. if you take Islam. Yeah. So nobility, uh, 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 because they they had uh, they had income, they had, and uh, so you had everything. And then the same decade, the same year, even no year, two year, uh, two decades later, it was. Uh, uh, 1492, when the, uh, America was discovered by, uh, when uh, uh, Spain escorted all the Jews, yes. expelled. My people, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. they expelled all the Jews. Mm. And then Ottoman said, okay, they can come to most western part was Bosnia. Yeah, so right. suddenly we had a huge Jewish community here. Yeah. Speaking Latino. Latino and yeah. singing these beautiful songs. You know, we still have Benevolentia. Uh, uh, it's now a very small community, mm -hmm. of course. They, they've been destroyed first during the Second World War and yeah. then even now. They are not destroyed now. They, are, they moved all to Israel. Mm -hmm. They've been well, well organized during the war in the 90s. So I, I believe that nobody from them was killed uh, almost because they were perfectly organized and they moved all their people to Israel. Hmm. Very few of them stayed. I'm curious what, what you do now in um, 
in a Bosnia where I hear about the um, when you fill out a form, you have the boxes and you have to say, uh, uh, how does it go? Bosnian Serb, uh, yes, Bosniak. What do you? I mean, what do you put on that form? Oh, I am, I am others, because by constitution you can be just these three. Mm-hmm. You can be Serb, Croat, or Bosniak. So, I am others, and others are all minorities, and minorities are seventeen in this country. So there are seventeen minorities, like Gypsies, Jews, I don't know, Albanians, many, many. And people who simply don't want to declare themselves, yeah. or who are from mixed families, mixed families. So what you are supposed to declare if father is this, mother is this, grandmother is this, and there were thirty-five percentage of such families at the beginning of the war. Yes, it's a third of the country, and the, our constitution, designed by foreigners, mm. is such that they don't recognize. Uh, us others. So tomorrow I was supposed, I have to say this, tomorrow I, I was supposed to be at a meeting in Banyaluka because I am a member of a governing board of a, for me, very important agency. It is higher education agency. I, I spent my working life 42 years in higher education. So I applied for that board. I was refused several times, and then I managed to become one. Mm-hmm. But according to our constitution, you have three Serbs, three Croats, three Bosniaks in that board, and one others. So I'm others. Yes. Decisions are made, first of all, first of all, at the meeting to be to be valid, you have to have two of these three. For me, it's not important. Understand? Yes. So you have to have uh, two Serbs, two Croats, two Bosniaks, and they can have a meeting. Uh, if you're not there. Me, as an other, yeah, I don't count at all. If they have to vote for certain decision, again, the same principle. So for me, if I vote or don't vote, Nobody cares, but at least I can say, I can insist and say, this is for my opinion, I, I, I insist that you write it down in this, um, uh, yeah, the official record. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. official record and so on. That's, that's a small way how I can fight, but it was designed by Americans, if you like. Mm. Holbrook, Holbrook desi- <laughs> designed yes. our constitution and so on. Yeah. And the reason why this country does not recover 17, 18 years after the war is Dayton constitution, believe me. Yeah. I said that this in 1997 and I'm repeating it ever since. Yes. Because this is the constitution that would make the highest democracy um, not governable. I mean, 
analyzing American foreign policy is, is difficult to say the least. Um, very often I think they don't know exactly what they're doing, but they'll listen to certain powers, to certain influential people. Yes. Who told them what to do at, at Dayton? Uh, who, who had their ear? The Holbrooks and the... General foreign policy, policy in the world is designed such in a way that they appease those who are stronger. If you are winning, they let you, first of all. They let you trying to fight. Uh, they respect those who are winning, uh, winning uh, who are stronger. Uh, even if they uh, disrespect human rights. So if you, you had here situation where Serbs were very much supported by Yugoslav army, so local Serbs, this guy Karadzic or whatever, who is sitting now in, in The Hague, they were very much supported by um, Yugoslav army. Mm -hmm. It was very strong army. Uh, they 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 took over large parts of the uh, country. Mm -hmm. They made concentration camps and so on and so on, and they were very much respected by Americans, by Europeans, if you like, yeah. by everybody, just because they are so strong. In spite of the fact that they made concentration camps, that they committed so many uh, terrible things and so on, that that's general policy. And even now, uh, in Syria, for instance, mm -hmm. as long as this uh, guy is uh, so strong, they would not dare to do anything. You know, in Egypt it was much easier. In Libya, particularly, mm -hmm. but in Syria it's not so easy. Doesn't matter that uh, you know so many crimes are committed, uh, yeah. and that they are trying, you know, to, to balance responsibility, to balance guilt between various warring factions, how they call it. That mm. you know, people who lived here, they know exactly what what is what. Yes. And who was responsible? And who won't? And who even now? Even now, you you have this guy from Republic Srpska, uh, Dodik, oh, saying all the time, "We can't live together. We can't live." That's exactly what they were saying before. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, they wanted us to feel different, and I can't. I can't see my students different. They all look the same. They speak the same language. They. Originally, they come from the same ethnic group, if you like. So why should I make the differences? Mm -hmm. And they, this is fascism, in fact. This is exactly what fascism is. And so in a context where I think many people leave the country in frustration... And, yes, um... yes, very many. After Very many would leave now, but it's not easy, it's not right. possible. Before they had these excuse after the war or mixed marriages. Americans used to uh, receive lots of uh, people uh, from mixed marriages mm -hmm. because they, they thought it's such a big deal to be in a mixed marriage. That was, it was, for us, I was laughing all the time because what a big deal to be. We are all mixed, mm -hmm. at least men and, and, and women. <laughs> 
Yeah. Anyway, Americans were, and then some regions, like if you are from Srebrenica, so many people from Srebrenica got asylum uh, uh, um, status uh, mm -hmm. in um, United States, in some other parts. If you are from these regions where some terrible crimes were committed, it was much easier for you to get refugee status. But during the war, everybody was, uh, I, I know in Scandinavia, because I worked for refugees, uh, so whoever was coming from Bosnia at that time with that passport, they would, uh, uh, of course, uh, Danes were different. Sweden gave them immediately, even Dutch people, the Netherlands, asylum status. But uh, Denmark did something, un un something I can't understand. They, they kept them for a number of years in a special. They denied them to apply for asylum status. They said we'll simply uh, save them, save their lives, mm -hmm. and after the war is over, we'll send them back. And uh, but uh, it was it was too long. At the very end, I think in '95, because war was not yet over, they gave them at once asylum status. Yes. To everybody, but in that period from '92 to '95, they kept them. Uh, according to the special decision of their parliament, mm -hmm. like to live as a plants. But like in a detention center or? A... Yes, exactly. In 150 uh, small centers uh, built uh, on the fields, uh, built uh, everywhere, all over the country. You know, Denmark is a small country, yeah, very yeah. small. Uh, they were denied any. Um, normal human activity, I would say. Mm -hmm. So their kids couldn't go to school. They were forbidden to learn Danish language. They were not allowed to seek for job or anything. Just uh, uh, eat and sleep. Mm. And it was, it was terrible. I, I was fighting very much against this, this um, administration in Denmark for a number of years. I always, I, I thought they, I will be kicked out of the country <laughs> because them. of that. Yes, yes. But anyway, it was, it was very strange, very strange. Later, of course, they, they acknowledged that something was wrong mm. in that politics. Yes. And they have explanation. They said, if we wanted them to enter a normal asylum status, we would accept only 2,000 and not 20-some thousand. But in order to save as many as possible, we accepted everybody, but gave them just the status to survive. Yeah. But it was very damaging for many people, you know. Uh, many people were coming from concentration camps with the, with the uh, psychologically damaged. And in such uh, very many suicides, mm -hmm. I remember. And then I organized our schools there. I organized, I, I realized that there are kids thousands of kids not able to attend school. And you know, in, in kind of life we lived before, in socialism, school was very important, education, because you had no private property. There was not factory that you could leave to your kids in heritage, right. you know. So education was the, the, the best thing you could give to your country, to your kids. Yes. And, and for our people to deny their kids to go to school, that was catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And they were denied, basically. And then I, I, I went to camp to camp together with my husband.
Mm-hmm. We collected all the books that kids took with them. We had all the books from previous system. We, we printed them. We found uh, all the professionals there. Whoever had any university diploma, medical doctors, economists, everybody became teacher. Mm-hmm. We organized 50, 54 or 52, I don't remember, elementary schools and 12 gymnasiums mm-hmm. in the camps, in these small camps. For how long did they For exist? three years. Yeah. So all our kids were educated. Then they got asylum status. Many of them are PhD now somewhere there in, in Denmark. Uh, that was the best project we ever made there. You're listening to Citizen Reporter. I'm your host, Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. And in this next segment, Lamia Tanovic tells us about living in Bosnia today. People are unhappy, they are not happy, they are unsatisfied. Uh, You follow the daily politics every day and you see there is no improvement whatsoever. 18 years, you know, I I lived years after the Second World War. You... Every day you felt things are moving up. Hmm. Every day, basically. You, you had, each year you had something better and better and better. Standard was improving. Uh, we were suddenly buying cars and German stoves and fridges and so on. Uh, here, nothing. Even co- contrary, it's even worse and worse. For some people, of course, we, we are old, we already don't have big ambitions, but I think for young people, must be a really, really, uh, I don't know, disappointing to live. That's the reason they say there is 70, I don't know, many, how many percentages of young people from Bosnia who would like to emigrate. Mm-hmm. They, they make uh, some uh, uh, questionnaires among them, and then there are really bad statistics about how many of those young people would like to leave. And I understand that. I really understand. Mm-hmm. Although, of course, we could. My husband was in Canada uh, at that time. Uh, at um, when the war finished, and uh, we could stayed. Uh, I, I had embassy in Bosnian embassy organized in Copenhagen. We could stayed in ver- various places in the world, but we wanted to come back. Um, but today, I'm not sure I would mm-hmm. make that decision again. Yes, and I was I was the the, the 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 most stubborn one in that respect among all our friends. Mm-hmm. I used to say I could never live any place but here mm-hmm. if I resisted so many years. Uh, but now I would I would really think over again and again, mm-hmm. having all this because it's exhaustible really to stand this from day to day to invest so much because we were working all the time my husband returned already in 96 from canada in order to help university i stayed longer because i i there was no replacement in the embassy of bosnia in copenhagen so i had to stay longer Hmm. Um, 
But as soon as I returned, I tried everything possible in my area in education and nothing worked. I worked even at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in the Department for International Educational Scientific Relations. So I became, uh, how do you call it, uh, public servant. Mm -hmm. I left my career totally, scientific career. It was impossible to, to do experimental physics here. And, uh, and it didn't help. So then I, I became politically active. I was a president of Liberal Democratic Party in this country for five years, and I put education as a first uh, item on a priority agenda for our party. It didn't work. So we really tried everything, mm. but nothing works because system is, uh, is simply such that it could not work any place in the world. This is my very, very firm um, opinion. It could not work in the United States. It could not work in Scandinavia. This is, we are locked in Dayton Constitution. Who has the power to change that? Foreigners, they don't, who made it? Mm -hmm. Who made it? Yeah. So, uh, it was made by, it was, you know how it looks like, um, you had uh, our uh, president, mm -hmm. in fact he was uh, presiding of the presidency, he even had not, we had an eight-member presidency, mm -hmm. and Ali Azedbegovic was just uh, uh, someone who was head of that presidency. We had two presidents of, of Serbia and Croatia, they signed it. Right. Also, they believe that they signed it, they still say that, that they signed it because they have Serbs and Croats here. So they have to uh, look after their people in Bosnia. But I think they signed it, they were, they were brought there by international community because they were responsible for things that happened in Bosnia. They were aggressors in this country. Serbia was aggressor, Croatia was aggressor, mm -hmm. although not the same responsibility. But they had their army uh, here on the ground. They were killing, destroying, and so on. Mm -hmm. So, and then these guarantors, United States, England, Germany, uh, Germany Russia, uh, European Union as a whole, I think, so a number of them, I don't, I don't remember. So they made it. Mm -hmm. They are supposed to have a second Dayton <coughs> or whatever conference oh, yeah. oh, okay. and change it. And uh, they had such a strong mandate. So they were supposed, high representative uh, person, this high representative, we call them. It is Austrian diplomat now. There were seven of them, various Inskois. So he can change any law. He can. It's the it's strongest mandate. Yeah. They have no responsibility whatsoever. They, he can... Uh, kick uh, from the position president of this country and he did it number of them were simply expelled from those positions i think paddy ashdown this um, uh, british liberal leader uh, he he moved from the positions like 57 people Prime Minister of Republic Srpska, Minister of that Minister, Member of Presidency, because these people did not work the way 
they felt they should work. But uh, from 2006, they don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not just high representative. They have uh, uh, this PIC, they call it, Peace Implementation Council. Includes. They include all these people who are guarantors of Dayton. So they make decisions, basically. And then, and you have Russia all the time on one side. They have to reach consensus and so on. So it's international politics. These internationals have to change it. They, they claim all the time that we have to change it. They, they say, I have to change How to change it? How to, to, to change it? Because I have, I'm others. I, I even <laughs> cannot vote for people I would like to vote for. You know that this is crazy thinking. Uh, like, if you... I cannot apply for presidency being others. Okay. I cannot even, you know, uh, like a, a Serb member of presidency are elected from Republic Srpska. If you are living here in a, a federation, you cannot vote for that person. So it's not just others who are, uh, who are segregated in that sense. These are all Serbs who live in federation. They, they have no voting rights like others. And all the Bosniaks and Croats who live in Republic Srpska, they also are denied basic human rights to apply for certain positions and to elect people they would like to elect. Mm -hmm. But this big, this nationalistic party, they have support all the time. You have to understand that the parties who created basically the war were kept all the time. Yes. They are still there. Uh, Nazi party was never uh, kept after the Second World War. So you have now this SDS who committed genocide in Srebrenica. They even don't uh, say, in Srebrenica you cannot be there. Or, uh, you know, the, uh, the court in, in um, European Court for Human Rights in um, uh, The Hague, mm -hmm. they said uh, uh, Army of Republic Srpska is responsible. They committed genocide. Why should, why, why uh, when uh, deciding what will be Republic Srpska, what will be Federation, why Srebrenica was left in, in Republic Srpska? Yesterday was a big celebration of 21st anniversary of the army of Republic Srpska. Mm -hmm. And all these ambassadors are sitting there, you know, on, honoring. Yeah. Why? It's a very strange politics. International politics after the Second World War was very clear. You see, the Hague. Hague is a funny place now. This court for Yugoslavia, crimes in former Yugoslavia. They, they simply cross half of the crimes uh, this guy Garadzic is responsible for. They say, okay, only Srebrenica, nothing else. Or I don't know, some. Because there's no time, there's no money for... After the Second World War, Nuremberg was different. Yeah. And they never allowed here that one side wins. You know, because at the very end, in August 95, when the Bosnian army became stronger, and besides, they finally, uh, this guy Tudjman understood 
that it is stupid if he is victim of Serbian aggression, that he makes aggression to Bosnia. He finally understood. So he supported our army in that border party where Banja Luka is, basically. Mm -hmm. Banja Luka is very close to, to Zagreb. So Banja Luka was ready to be evacuated. Uh, it, it was easy. I think that was the moment our army, Bosnian army, could win. Military. But then Americans came and said, if you don't stop, we'll, we'll bomb you. You know, it was like, I don't know, who, who grabbed what they grabbed. Who, these, these guys, yes, these guys uh, defended this part and now border between uh, Republic Serbska and Federation goes that way. But of course, huge, massive ethnic cleansing was made in various places. But internationals are very much responsible sooner or later. Doesn't matter. I will probably not live long enough to see that. Uh, Dayton Peace Agreement will be studied by, it is studied already, I believe, as a, as a one of the, the strangest, hmm. uh, most extravagant documents by which they, 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 uh, they tried to create a country. You can't make sovereign country that way. And of course, this kind of war and the role of international community uh, will be really studied uh, one day as, as something unbelievable. You know, Yugoslavia, if they told me, even in 92, I, I couldn't believe that this is happening. Mm. Because it was such a normal, good country. We traveled the world. We've seen how people live in other parts of the world. And we knew how we live, live here. And why on earth it will come here? Such a, such a terrible war or wars. Yes. There were many. Um, it is created. I think it is created from outside. I, I'm, it's an honor to be here and to listen to you. And uh, you have uh, great uh, stories in addition, yes, to, yes. in addition to facts, you know. And, and you know, if you live long time, if you live exciting time, we both believed that uh, uh, we will live uh, a very boring university <laughs> people life, isn't it? Teachers and so on, that we would never, I, I never dreamt. I will uh, do the things I've done in the last 20 years. Yeah. Like going from camp to camp, seeing my people in terrible conditions with plastic bags. Uh, I, I could never imagine that. I could never imagine to be diplomat. <laughs> and I was not good diplomat because I like to be very direct in, in all the conversations. Um, I, I, I never believed I will be a leader of political party. So we, we all did it, uh, various kinds of things. My husband likes to write poetry and uh, uh, novels on whatever now as a... Because all that provokes in you some talents you... 
you yeah. you don't feel that you have mm -hmm. it 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 was awful to see your town burning we haven't been there we haven't been here at that time so on television i saw sarajevo in a, in a terrible conditions so suddenly that that is that is yeah. terrible and then you had i know my husband's mother was living living here at that time at the, when all that happening it was we had family, everybody, at least our kids were with us. Um, but it was not easy, not at all. Yeah, no. yeah it's even, even sitting here in, in your beautiful home, it's hard to imagine, uh, you know, anyone damaging a place like this. Or oh, yeah. Coming just, to this just place. We had this, this, uh, this really uh, window. <laughs> this window had a hole. She's goofy. Hole from shrapnel and yeah. all the you know uh, it yeah. was uh, broken. I kept it till till last year, <laughs> simply as a memory. And in the beginning, after the war, we had a huge collection of shrapnels. Yes. Uh, who were coming from the various sites here? There was even uh, where we sleep. We had such a wooden floor, um, wooden yes. ceiling. ceiling yeah. That there is a hole where one. Uh, shrapnel uh, came in, yeah. so it was, it was difficult to believe, of course. Yeah. Uh, still, uh, I'm keeping one hole upstairs. Ah, as a, as yeah. a memory. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I was keeping one uh, window, window as a memory. Till and last then... year, I decided to change it finally. In, and you know these uh, red roses, they call it, on the, on the roads. Yeah. Uh, where the uh, grenades fell, killing people. So you have very special imprint of grenade. Have you ever seen it? Like hole with the, some, uh, they call it really roses. It looks oh, like okay. a flower. Okay. So they fill it with the um, red tar. Red tar. So you had it all over the town. Yes. No, just few. Maybe just few. It's life. You'll find certainly several around the cathedral. Oh, yeah. mm. They have to renew it because it is, of course, eroded during the, the years. Yes. That's the life. It covers everything except yeah. people. You know, those families who lost the members. Mm -hmm. That's awful. They never recover. Mm -hmm. And these people are not coming back. But buildings, yes. Okay. Yeah. You build another one? Yes. But... Um, but if you lost a child, you know, uh, 1,400 kids were killed. Kids, yeah. small kids in this, in this town only. 1,400, was it? Yeah, something like 600 or 10,000 people or more than 10,000 in, in the siege of Sarajevo, mm -hmm. which is, uh, which is one, 1,425 days. Yeah. Siege. Siege of Sarajevo. Longer than Leningrad. Yes. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. And you have just to look. As a diplomat, I was able to come into... Uh, because there were UN planes. Mm -hmm. So I had to, to come... Uh, for instance, in November uh, 94, I was coming in, in surrounded... Oh, but it was awful. You had no birds. That, mm -hmm. You know, we have a lots of birds, yes. and in the morning it's even annoying <laughs> how loud they are. At that time, I remember there was n no birds. 
birds disappeared from this town because it was shelling and bombing all the time. Mm. And it was a very unusual place. Now her only protector Broken skyline Which way to love land Which way to something better Which way to forgiveness And there you have it. One hour with Lamia Tanovich and her husband in their home in Sarajevo telling stories just the way I like it, of the past and a time that I never lived and many of us never got to experience in Yugoslavia, to the war, to today, and all the complications and really breaks down to why things are the way they are, who could make a difference. And I think that comes very clearly from this program. Uh, I wanted to give a special thank you, not only to the Tanoviches, but also to Phil Ugelo of Humanity in Action, who introduced me to all my Bosnian contacts for the last two podcasts. And I'm so glad as well, of course, to have you along as the audience. Uh, I'm going to be in Portugal for the coming month, so there'll be some podcasts from here. And otherwise, there's always citizenreporter.org, where you can check out all the programs that you've missed, and you can read... And you could look around. There's so much going on. And of course, on citizenreporter.org, you can donate to keep this podcast going. That's right. Podcasts require some funding, not commercial advertising, not a fortune, but some funding. And I'm so glad to those of you who have helped keep it going. Until next time, I'm Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, and this is Citizen Reporter. See you next time. Yeah.